Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to the Bean for Wednesday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn Zibby. We're looking back at Tuesday. Um, and, ah, the old voting age conversation is being had again. Uh, we're going to ask a, an employment lawyer a curly employment law question. Sparks bringing back phone booths, apparently. I know what's going on there. And Marcus Lush has been poisoned. Uh, but before any of that, uh, Waka, Waka Katahi's uh, hidden camera trial. Uh, what's all this about? So it's an issue. People do get distracted, they take their attention off the road, and that's when accidents happen. And you can be very sorry after an accident, but that's not going to fix it if you've injured or, or killed someone. So if the problem is that great, and Waka Kotahi says it is, and the stats say it is, then fine. Record what we're doing. If we're behaving badly, Punish us accordingly. $150 is neither here. Well, it was for me at the time. $150 was a big hit in the wallet. And it did change my behaviour for a while. $1,500 would have probably changed it for a lifetime. So where do you stand on this one? I mean, people not wearing their safety belts? God's little pruning fork, really. If you're not going to wear a safety belt, you do you. And you fly through the windscreen at 180 k's and... Yeah, problem solved, really. But when you're driving distracted, that impacts on other people. And fine, if it's that big a problem, get the cameras inside the car, work out who's transgressing, and punish accordingly. Yeah, it was weird, this story yesterday, because it was almost like somebody somewhere had hoped that it would be controversial but I don't think anybody really has an issue with distracted drivers being pinged any way possible because there's nothing more annoying than seeing somebody on their phone while they're driving especially if they're in the car behind you because you just know that they're about to run into the back of you Uh, my only issue was that uh, the other week I accidentally almost dropped my pie and smashed it into my steering wheel. And, like, I didn't, it didn't cause me to have an accident, but it was a bit distracting. And I probably shouldn't have been doing that. And that would have been an embarrassing thing to, you know, appear in court and have to explain what I was doing with a pie in my car. You know what I mean? So, yeah. There's going to be a bit of that out there. So that's worth it, worth keeping the lookout for. Um, uh, would 16-year-olds vote for it, though? That's the question. Well, my argument would be, let's try to get those 16-year-olds back into school for a start, with more and more of them not even attending. How does changing the curriculum help? And how do you teach civics, by the way, in a way that's independent of unconscious or even conscious at this point political bias? I mean, anyone with kids at high school or uni these days knows there is so much bias in what's being taught that it'd be very hard to find any high school civics without bias clouding it. Garriman argues a lower voting age would increase voter turnout. I'm just not sure how she reaches that conclusion with a major problem facing this country right now being the number of 16-year-olds not even turning out for school. So they're not happy to attend school, but they're more than happy to turn out to vote? It all feels a bit cart before horse to me. Okay, well, let's just follow that argument through then. So the people who don't want the 16-year-olds to vote, 
what are they worried about then? If they're not going to turn up anyway, it doesn't make any, a great deal of difference, is it? So don't stress. Um, maybe those 16-year-olds should just get a job. But if they do, they better do a good job because it looks like maybe employers can take a grievance out against them. What, hang on, what's going on? Can an employer lodge a personal grievance against an employee, especially one who's been bullying the employer? Wow. Yeah, so that's that's actually a fantastic question because there's there's two really good parts to that. So the first one is, yes, an employer can lodge a claim against an employee, uh, but it's generally not a personal grievance. So a personal grievance is a claim that an employee makes. But there have been claims, and I have assisted employers to make claims against employees. Um, so if an employee does something wrong uh, that damages the business, uh, the employer can actually do something about it, and a lot of employers don't know that. Mm. The second part of it, which I thought was really interesting, which is something that comes up more often than people think, is um, when an employee is actually bullying their employer. Mm. Um, and you know, as Does that happen often? Yeah, it happens more often than people think. And as I always say, you know, we're a country made up of um, SMEs, um, small, medium enterprises, uh, and often you've got owner-operator uh, with one or two staff. Mm. Uh, and if you've if you've got a bad egg on your team, mm. um, it can lead to problems. And mm. and a lot of these small business owners really put up with a lot. Mm. Uh, so it does occasionally happen. Right. And but they can take action. Yes, they can. Yep. Yeah. Okay. This is terrible news for me um, because basically I do nothing but bully my employer. That's the only thing I ever say to my employer is teasing, bullying, making jokes. I know I haven't got that pay rise I've been looking for. Now, uh, Spark are uh, looking at bringing back the phone booth. Again, I ask, what's happening here? If you're only getting rid of 10%, that means you're keeping 90%. Is that right? Just in the next year. So in the next 12 months, we'll remove around 180 of them or 10% of them. Yes. And then the rest will gradually look at over the next few years. And how often are people using these things? Yes. So we've definitely seen the usage declining. So if you look back at 2019... There are about a half a million calls a year made from a public phone booth. That's declined by 70% if you fast forward till now. And about 90% of our booths have less than three minutes of calling a day. Is that is that one person using it for three minutes or is it several people using it for a minute at a time, for example? Yeah, I probably haven't got the exact data on that, but that's, you can assume it's one to two people using it for a very short period of time. Tessa, do you guys day. have any idea what people are doing? in the? Uh, who are they calling from the phone booths? <laughs> Yes, yeah, so predominantly the calls are to 0800 numbers, which of course are free from a landline and, and most services now offer that free from a mobile phone too. So uh, there are other options, which I think has contributed to this decline. What kind of 0800 numbers? Predominantly banks, ministry oh. departments, the biggies. Okay, but this, this, would, this would suggest it's people who don't have cell phones who are using them. In some cases that may be true, yes. So you're probably doing a public good, aren't you? And removing them from people that don't have cell phones? No, no, in, in having them. <laughs> yes. So there is, there, we, we recognise there is definitely a small user group that's still using the phones today and we've been pretty active in working with community groups to understand who those people might be and how we might 
um, work together to actually understand what the concerns would be. But to date, we haven't had any major concerns through, um, through some people saying they're being removed. Tessa, when you say you're going to future-proof the rest, what, what could you possibly do to future-proof them? Aren't they just, apart from those few people who use them, actually really largely redundant? We've, we believe we can explore some modernisation opportunities uh, for a smaller footprint than what we have today. But if you look internationally, there's some quite exciting things happening where people, where companies have converted their phone booths into things like defibrillators. Uh, they've looked at the modern telecommunication services they can have over them, wayfinding to help you find local tourism activities, even climate or environmental sensors you may have in cities where there's high traffic. Crikey, you wouldn't want to get that wrong, would you? Ah, uh, my... Uh my smartphone battery's gone flat, but I need to call call someone. Uh, oh, the phone's been turned into a defibrillator, and now I've electrocuted my ear. It's the kind of thing that can happen. It's like how Marcus got poisoned last night. I grabbed a sweet, a lolly, some lying around at work, and it had a cherry almond flavour. And I tried that, and it brought back something to me, almost like a Proustian moment. But I remembered that it's funny how things you it's funny how things that you hear affect you right throughout your life. And I remember there was a Agatha Agatha Christie movie, or some sort of a mystery movie. It might have been a Sherlock Holmes one. And they poisoned someone with cyanide, but it was disguised as almond flavour. I'm going to say it. I think it might have even been marzipan. I don't know what the movie was. Someone will know. But every time I taste the taste of almond or cherry, particularly if I'm not expecting it. Part of me thinks I've been poisoned. And I'm not I'm, I'm not on the phone to the um, poison line, but part of me, oh, miss a beat, back on track. Isn't that interesting? Just from a movie. I'm a bit the same with Christmas cake. Oh, with the marzipan. I don't know what the movie was. Some of you might know. Was it on a train? Was it in the Pyramids of Chips? Was it Sherlock Holmes? Who was it with the marzipan or the almonds with cyanide? Very famous scene. It stayed with me my whole life, although this is the first time I've ever articulated it. Will that take the power away? I don't think so. Isn't it funny? The things you notice that never, never escape your attention. And I can't, I didn't remember quick Googling at work, I can't think what movie it was where they had the marzipan or the almond. I'm pretty sure they said marzipan. So he wasn't poisoned. That was a beat up. Um, nobody would want to poison Marcus anyway. Um, interesting that he thinks that cherries taste like almonds. Is that what he was saying? They don't, do they? Uh, certainly, uh, if you have uh, on Christmas, I understand feeling poisoned on Christmas Day. That's just that's just overeating, isn't it? I'm Glenn Zb. Uh, 
I'll be back to poison your ears with more news tools you've been tomorrow. See you then.